Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. If you haven't met me, my name is Brett and uh, I'm part of the leadership here at Life Changes and it is such a huge incredible privilege to be in this pulpit again. And I just want to let you know that you are dearly loved. Dearly, dearly loved. And if you're visiting us for the first time, an incredibly warm welcome. I hope you feel loved. And um, this morning, I want to share a little bit around Jesus is King. Jesus is King. But before we get there, you can't start these Christmas services without talking a little bit about the normal mundane Christmas vibe. Hey, Our natural flesh stuff. I love Christmas. Gabe's alluded to it. He loves Christmas. This year has been a shocker for us so far. Normally, 1st of December, carols are playing, Boney M is going, you've heard me say this before, decorations are up. We literally had to put the tree up yesterday. And the decorations last night, terrible, shocking, don't even know how we can even get here this morning. But I wanted to tell you that my wife has come around, babe, I love you, so good. This year, we just come back from Tilburg, it was, it was a great time away, Shelley was choosing the Christmas music. No Boney M, but baby steps, baby steps. Never Boney M. Any Boney M fams? Fams. Fams. Any Boney M fams? None. It's good. Tough crowd today. Sure. Okay. Guys are hard work. Uh, JP and Jess. Hmm. Months ago, we stood in the parking lot for a parking lot prophecy. And I said to you that there's a governance on your lives and a leadership. I want to tell you, fight for what you believe, where you're going, because God is moving you for a purpose. And you said you're coming back. We know you're coming back, but God is sending you, even if it's for one, to Cambridge. Fight for what you believe. And don't forget of the governance and the leadership that's on your lives. Love people the way you've loved people here. This man stands here and cries because he's knitted into a community, and that might seem foreign for you. I don't know what your church story is. But get involved in community. We're going to get to that. But that's what happens. It's sore when you pull apart because it's real. This thing is real. If you find yourself here today, you're in a good space. And I pray that Jesus shapes and changes what you believe because he's that good. This is a little bit different. Uh, Wayne and Nikki. I felt God say while we were worshiping, I saw him with a giant eraser. And he was, he was erasing something. Right, and he wiped it, he erased it clean, and then he turned the page. I don't know if you remember at school, when you turned your page and you had a double page, you would flatten it and you'd push it flat, and it was blank. I thought God's writing a new story for you, but he didn't write on the old page, but he erased it. So I don't know what that is, but I'm just trusting God wanted me to share that with you this morning. So I pray that it means a little something to you. We're in, the, we're in this uh, series of Jesus is King, and I pray that this phrase will ring true to you, that Jesus is King. I don't know what your story is, I don't know where you come from or what you believe, but this is a phrase that has to take root deep in your heart. And can I ask you today to actually receive this word because God wants you to declare that Jesus is King. It'll change your life. It'll shape your life. You need to believe it and trust for it to change your life that Jesus is king. 
Let's read Matthew 1, 18 to 25. I'm going to read the big print on my page because normally when I read that, I get it wrong. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her uh, to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this incredible privilege. I thank you that as we look at your word, your word creates, it shapes, it changes, it brings life, it brings redemption. And I thank you, Father, that today as the people sitting here, that our ears would be open, our hearts would be open. And I thank you, Father, that you change what we believe today. I thank you, Father, that you give us the courage and the faith to hear your word and be open to be shaped to be changed, to leave different today because you are that good and your word is that powerful. I thank you, Lord, in your mighty name. Amen. I'm excited for today. Um, I'm really trusting that God is going to change and shape the way we think, not because of anything clever that I say, just because of how good he is and how powerful his word is. I don't know what you do in your life when business, marriage, finances, your parenting, your dreams don't go according to plan. And first off, I want to say you need a plan. You need to get a plan, and you need to start on your plan. And even if that plan might be the wrong plan, you'll soon figure it out, and you need to make the adjustments. But you need a plan. Joseph had a plan. Joseph proposed. He worked hard. He wanted to plan the wedding, seating arrangements, music, all that type of thing. We've got lots of newlyweds. All that stuff he planned. He wanted to live happily ever after, build his career. But surprisingly, didn't go to plan. How many of you can identify with that? That it doesn't always, more often than not, go to plan. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's quite crazy if you think about it in those times, in these times today, if that had to happen, you'd be like, that's pretty crazy. That's pretty, that's out there. That's never happened before. So Joseph's default response was to divorce her quietly. That was his default. That's our default, to run away. We're always trying to plot and plan and rework scenarios so that they work. Make sense? Something happens, you've got an A plan, B plan, C plan, you're running around in circles, you're always trying to shift the pieces yourself to make it work. This morning I want to suggest a strategy when life starts to get unplanned 
Can I make a suggestion that we need to allow God to speak? We need to move away from making our own plans and allow God to speak into our situations, even if they're our own fault. Because we are super good at weaving a mess. It's almost like a superpower that we have. Allow God to speak. Verse 20 says, As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. We need to understand that the Spirit of God lives on the inside of us. When you say yes to Jesus, the Spirit of, the God, the Spirit of God comes, onto the, comes into you. It lives on the inside of you. And the Bible tells us to be led by the Spirit. It's a fundamental we need to grasp for our everyday lives. Because if we can't trust to be led in the small things, how will we ever respond to the bigger things that God calls us to? I believe we would save ourselves a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of disillusionment if we actually just learned to listen. Instead of kept trying to apply a filter like Instagram, just looking for the best filter for the scenario for a short-term fix. We're always trying to overlay. Always trying to put an overlay on it to make it look better. Can I suggest to you that if you're not reading the Word of God, you are paddling upstream with a stick? Hey, Mr. Faultley, that's, hey, I've paddled upstream with a stick before, guys. It sucks. I don't can you say that from the pulpit? Can you say that? It absolutely sucks. So why do we do it? It's unbelievable. And then we wonder why God is abandoning us. It's, you can laugh. It's fine. When we read the Word of God, it's like truth rises like a weapon. You can take hold of that weapon and you cut the enemy's lies at the knees. Bah! And you get to stand. Yet we keep looking for a filter. Ooh, the sepia is quite nice. <laughs> Looks great. But unless you are reading the Word of God, you're going to paddle upstream with a stick instead of an oar. When you are reading the Word of God, you get an oar and you get to paddle upstream. You get to get direction. You get to get forward movements. And even when you are standing still, you are not going backwards. You are still paddling because you have the Word of God shaping you, empowering you, and helping you make decisions as the Spirit of God on the inside of you leads you into the more of God. Will you allow God to speak to you today? Just allow Him to speak and listen to what He says. And there are three areas we can do this. Faith and not fear. In verse 20 it says, do not be afraid. The angel commanded him not to be afraid. Fear or faith. For me, these are our drivers. If you want to get down to the root, to the core of what drives us, it comes from one of two places. I think if you're really honest. You're either driven out of fear or you're driven out of faith. However you want to sugarcoat it, if you just work it backwards and you're honest and you chip it away and chip it away and chip it away, it's going to be one of those two things. 
And again, if you're not reading the Word of God, then I'd like to suggest you, you're probably not responding out of faith. You're probably coming from a place of fear. And God hasn't called you to come from a place of fear. He's called you to come from a place of faith and hope and confidence. And that we get from reading the Word of God. How do you tell God's voice from the enemy's voice? It's quite easy. The enemy will always bring fear and condemnation. Romans 8.1 says, Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Often I've said, when I've had the privilege of preaching, I'm a very simple guy. I'm a very, very simple guy. I read it, I believe it. It's good enough for me. I don't need to know the root Greek and the Hebrew and the Aramaic. That stuff is super helpful, don't get me wrong. But I'm like, if it's there, I'm going to believe it, I'm going to declare it, I'm going to live it. So when the Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, why live condemned? Why not say, actually, Jesus, your word says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Help me to live like that. That is the weapon. That is the sword that you're drawing that's cutting the lie at the knees. If you're coming from a place of fear, it's going to dominate you into knee-jerking responses. Quick fixes, knee-jerk, make a fast decision, and that's how we weave that web of a very scary mess quite quickly. But as we respond to the Word of God, God quickly unravels the massive mess we've managed to make. And He brings us into a place of freedom, redemption, and space. Did you know that every time an angel appears to someone in the Bible, they would say, fear not. We now have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And God is saying to you, fear not. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Let's live like that. When adversity throws itself at you, declare the things of God, draw your sword and cut it at the knees. But unless you're in the word of God and you're picking up stompies from here and there and that blog and what you're hearing, and you weave your own story together with your filters, we get distorted. And we actually, we're not actually accessing what God has given us. One of our greatest challenges is when God speaks it, but we have to choose it. You've got to choose it. Fear is a default. Faith is a choice. I realized in preparing for this, about seven years ago, uh, my wife and I run our own business, and um, things were tough. And we had to let people go because we couldn't pay them. It was, it was really hard. But God was faithful, and um, we were able to turn the business around through His mercy and uh, we carried on. But I've actually realized in this next season, as God is calling me to more in our business space, that I was actually living in a place of fear. I hadn't actually allowed God to deal with not being able to pay people. So what that's done has caused me to not employ the right people because it was safer. So unfortunately, it's only taken me seven years to figure this out. Seven's a magic number, so the interesting thing is this. God spoke a few months ago, and as I've wrestled this thing and settled it in my heart, God's given me a number as a minimum, as a minimum wage that every single one of our staff will earn, which is a scary number. God has also challenged us to go into a bigger space 
in a tough economic climate where other companies are struggling and there's no electricity. And so it's interesting. So God shows me a warehouse space that's four times bigger. It's actually 4.396 times bigger than what we currently have. (laughs) So God's given us a number. Plus we need to employ more people. Plus we need a bigger space. Can I tell you that in the last 10 years, December and January are our worst months. Worst months ever. And as I've said to God and I've started to engage our staff, and say, listen, from the new financial year, this is what you're going to earn. As we're starting to document and put it down in faith, because we don't have the reserves to pay that money. I just want to let you know. I did some calculations last night. So God showed me a space that's four times bigger. We've done four times our usual turnover this December that, than we've ever done. When you dare to trust God, when he speaks and it's big and it's crazy and it makes no sense, when you do the numbers on paper, it doesn't work. But I've still got a decision because I still need to implement that stuff. But am I going to come from a place of fear or am I going to come from a place of faith? Because God will always call you to a place of faith. I want to encourage you to look at your own story and see where God is calling you. See what he's doing. The second point is through partnership and not spectatorship. I was going to look that word up. I don't even know if that's a word, but we're going to roll with it. Spectatorship? It's good, eh? Thanks, Jess. Appreciate that. Verse 21, and you are to name him. Joseph was called not just to, not just to be a passive father and an onlooker. God called him to be part of a story which did not look like the norm of the day. It takes courage to step into what God is calling you to at this time and at this place. God is always calling you to something more than just yourself. And if he wasn't, you wouldn't need faith. God is always calling you to more. You never arrive. He's always going to call you to more. And I want to tell you that we are wired for partnership. We are wired for community. We long to be a part of things. How do I know that? Just from a normal, carnal perspective. When you get left out of something, it hurts. No matter what you say. No, it's fine. Because we have this longing to belong. We have this longing to be included, to be part of community. Why do you think we have phrases like save people, serve people, so that serve people become save people? It's not just a clever mix of words. I want to tell you that you are not a victim of your circumstance, and you don't have to go with the flow. It's easy to play the victim card. If you just ask people their stories, I can stand here and tell you that, uh, yeah, I I was sexually abused, my family, my parents got divorced, Um, I've come from a drinking and a drug background, I, I don't know, I've stolen money, I've been dishonest, I've, you can be a victim of your circumstance, but that's not what God's called you to. If you are sitting in this room and you have said yes to Jesus, you have accessed the power of the resurrection, 
You've accessed the blood of Jesus that calls you a son and a daughter, that leaves you redeemed. It doesn't matter if you have a sickness. It doesn't matter if you're in a terrible situation. You are not a victim. You don't get to throw your arms up. If you are a son or daughter of the Most High and go, oh, it's out of my control. You don't get to do that. What you do get to do is declare the Word of God and the blood of Jesus and make better decisions and trust Him. In partnership, find out what God is doing and partner with that in church and in your personal life. It looks like joining the setup team. We need you. I think the average age of our setup team is probably 55. We are the youngsters. <laughs> we need you. No, but I'm serious. You need to go beyond yourself. You need to get up earlier. It might seem small, but that's where community is created. That's where friendships are created. Instead of swimming by yourself and not telling anybody where you're at, you get to work with people. You get to get into community. You get to build relationship in life groups, in serving teams, in extending yourself to go to soup kitchen, of getting involved in the recycle swap shop, looking at serving when the, in the many different linked evenings and alpha evenings and all those things that we do to reach people. Get involved. Go beyond yourself again. Even when you don't want to, when you've been doing it for years, do it again and do it again and do it again. It's good for you. And God will break something in you. You'll be amazed at what God will do. Nike got it right. They said, just do it. Jesus said, come follow me. What does that look like for you? What does it look like? Jesus said, come follow me. You need to work that out for yourself. And when we stop making excuses, I think things will get a lot easier. And we'll stop dragging ourselves over broken glass and thorns and wondering why it's hurting. That was for Dave Lowe, who's not here today. Thank you, Dave. Hope you get this on the recording. Do you know what happens when you do that? You get authority because you are being obedient. Obedience brings authority. We were created in his image to be like him. Jesus is a king. He has all the authority. And that is why it's hardwired into us to operate in authority. Every person in this room has authority. You just need to take it, declare it, and live it. Every single one of you has a measure of authority. Jesus rose from the dead so that you could have authority in this kingdom. I want to tell you that partnership is vitally important. All the way through the Bible, Jesus had 12 disciples. They were mates that did everyday life together, learning and following Jesus. All the, the, the missions and when guys went out, they went out in pairs and threes and fours. You don't get to do this thing on your own. Partnership is key. If you're finding yourself isolated, I think there's a problem. I think you need to take a hard look at what you believe and how you're living. And just watch what God does when you put yourself back into community, when you choose not to do it by yourself. Another key area is his promises and not your ideas. Verse 22 it says, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. We have to understand what God's promises are. That is what gives us our faith, our hope, our courage, our strength to pursue this life. 
God never goes against his word. He cannot lie. What does his word say? It says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So when you take that word and you apply it, you watch what happens in your life. Like I said, I'm a very, very simple guy. I'm a simple man of faith. And I've just seen what God has done in my own life as I've taken the word, declared it, and watched him shape my future. It's incredible. It's not over anything clever that I've done. And it's not over anything clever that you can do. God's given you your own talents, your own abilities, your own influence. You just need to take the word of God, declare it over your life, and watch what he does. God calls you a son and a daughter. Will you live like a son? Will you live like a daughter? When things are closing in on you, choose to live like a son. Choose to live like a daughter. Declare those things and watch what God does. We need God ideas and not just good ideas. There's always a fine tension here. And this is where you need partners. You need friends in the faith at church that you can talk to, that you can bounce things off to see that you're not being led astray because your heart can lead you astray. Your own thoughts can lead you astray. If ever you are thinking of doing something and you have not spoken to anybody about it and you are hesitant, could I say that is the first warning light? And you probably need to ask more than one person because the one person you're going to go to will generally be your, your yes person. Because then you feel justified. No, but I spoke to somebody. Tell a few people. Get some different perspectives. The fourth thing is wake up. Joseph woke up. And he did what the angel told him. Too many of God's words are spoken. His promises are declared. But we don't take them. We never actually take them and move forward in them. Take hold of what God is calling you to. If we're asleep, we're going to miss the potential of what God has for us. And you wonder why you walk around the same mountain and the same mountain and the same mountain. Because God speaks, we don't listen, we don't wake up, and you find yourself doing the same thing. The challenge is when you, it takes to some of us, two years, three years, four years, five years, till you're back at the same spot. I don't want to walk around mountains anymore. I'd rather listen to the Word of God, declare it, and move forward. The Word of God is almost like you've been given, excuse the analogy, but a limitless credit card that you take and you put it in your back pocket. And then you never swipe it. But you have access to everything. And then you wonder why you're walking around struggling. But God's saying, but my son, my daughter, I've given you the tools. Just take out the card and swipe. It's paid for. Yet we keep that card in our back pocket. And we fumble through. Take your card out and swipe it. God gave me this word around white noise. And I really feel that we need to diminish or cut out the white noise that's going on around us. Because life shouts really loud. Particularly at this time of year, when Christmas involves family, family is messy, 
generally when you don't believe the same thing and you've got aunties and uncles and cousins and this one was upset about that and this one was upset, now you come to Christmas lunch and it explodes. No one's ever had that, just us, right? And then nobody talks to each other for eight months. It's cool. Not the gospel. But I want to tell you to quieten the white noise. Turn your ear to heaven and hear what the Father is saying. Hear what the Father is saying. Can I tell you that everything you need to know is in the Word of God? I don't know how many people actually read their Bibles. I just bought a bigger one with larger font. But it's certainly easier to listen to the Bible for me because my eyes are shot. Plus my 14 font here, I should have gone 16. Easier. I've tried those plus ones that don't work. White noise. Dumb it down. Hear what God is saying. Let him give you courage. Let him give you strength. It's where you'll find peace. It's where you'll find joy. You know, it's interesting. We always want a fresh word from God. Wake up. What was the last thing God said to you? And have you done it? Can I tell you what I, th- I felt a lot of, a lot of, the last words people were spoken to was to forgive. What did Christ do? He paid for the sin of the world to forgive every single one of us. He didn't say, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, and then you'll be forgiven. He said, no. Confess with your mouth that I'm Lord and Savior and you are forgiven. The Bible also says, forgive as you have been forgiven. So can I tell you that if God tells you to forgive, you don't get to choose. Unforgiveness is like a bitter root. You will hobble along the rest of your life and not step into the fullness of what God has for you if you are living with unforgiveness. The simplicity of the Christmas and Christian story is that God speaks and God saves. It's our job to listen and obey. We need to get ourselves into a space of understanding. We need to allow God to speak. When we don't, we end up plugging holes. And you only have so many appendages. Have you seen like when you plug a hole in a boat? I felt like when you don't allow God to speak into the situation and you are disobedient, you don't do what God tells you to do, you can patch this one and that one goes, bah. then you try and patch that one and you end up looking like a starfish. And then the holes just keep popping. I don't want to plug any more holes. Can I tell you when we respond to God, it's quick. I think sometimes we don't because we have a fear it's going to be painful. It's going to take a long time. That's not how God operates. You're already forgiven. God already sees you as holy and blameless. He already sees you as perfect because of the blood of Jesus. The challenge is if you don't read the word, you don't know that. So then you respond from a place of fear, so you never step into what you need. You never wake up. And you end up walking around the same mountain. Jesus said, and I do exactly what my Father commanded me, John fourteen thirty one. That's the model. Will we get it right all the time? Probably not. The Bible says Repent. So, Father, forgive me. Every day is a new day in Christ Jesus. You don't know that unless you're reading the Word of God. 
you get to build on the foundational things that God shows you in the Word of God every day. But know that you are a son and a daughter who is loved. God paid the price. We don't have to fumble around in the dark anymore. Believe what God says about you. Declare it. Step into the fullness of what he has. Take God at his word. Read it and respond. Allow God to speak. Choose faith, not fear. Look to partner rather than spectating. You just need to step and watch what God does. Search for God's promises. Declare them and wake up. Can I ask you to stand with me this morning? Father, I thank you that as we have come this morning and gathered as your people, I firstly want to thank you for your unbelievable mercy and grace that is over our lives. Father, I pray that we would be a simple people that would uncomplicate the gospel. I thank you that we would be men and women who would have the courage to get involved in partnership, to get involved in community. I thank you, Father, that we would not come from a place of fear, but from a place of faith. And faith requires us to step. And I thank you, Father, we never get the whole picture, but we get to step and that you fill in the blanks. Father, I thank you for your promises. I pray that we in this season would go and search the scriptures or just Google and see what your promises say about us. And I thank you that we would become a people that would declare the promises of God over ourselves and over our families, over this nation and over this world. I thank you, Father, that we would wake up and see who you are and what you have for us. I thank you, Father, that it is a daily journey. I thank you, Lord, that when we get it wrong, you are right there as we repent to bring us right back up to speed because of what Jesus did on the cross. And I thank you for this unbelievable privilege, Father. Unbelievable privilege. Secondly, Father, I want to pray right now. If there's anyone in this room that has not said yes to Jesus, that has not accessed the fullness of what the creative God has for you. Jesus, of what you did on the cross to die and rise again on the third day and then later ascend to heaven and sit at the right hand of the Father and send the Holy Spirit to live on the inside of us, to be our counselor. Father, I pray if there's anybody here right now in their heart, that they would make a decision for you. I thank you, Father, we get to come as we are. It doesn't matter where we come from, what we've done. But I thank you, Father, that you paid the full price so that we may live forever with you. I thank you, Father, we get to start a journey today with you. You are so kind. If that's you, could I ask you just to quickly slip your hand up with every eye closed and head bowed. I thank you, Father, for your incredible faithfulness. I thank you for this group of people, this community of people at this time, at this place. Your sons, your daughters, your saints being equipped to share the love of Jesus and the truth of your word 
with a dying community outside of the walls of this school hall. I thank you, Father, in your mighty name. Amen.